Presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa, science advisor Matt Moniz, and sitting in with us for this first hour is Andrew Lake, investigator with Greenville Paranormal Research. And uh, he's sitting in with us because he is probably the only person I know that knows more about old-time radio than our guest will be joining us in just a few minutes. But, uh, and Andrew, how did you get into all this stuff? Let everybody know, because they might recognize your name, but they might not know uh, where. Yeah, well, um, I, I got into old-time radio um, way back in, uh, I think, 1977. Uh, WBRU out of Providence had dead air on Sunday nights, and they had to find something to put on it. And they started running the, uh, the Shadow backed with um, the Lone Ranger. And then they started playing Suspense as well as the Green Hornet. And uh, I got hooked on it. And my dad, who's you know, a pioneer in radio himself, uh, he came home one night and I mentioned it to him. And he said, oh, what the heck are you doing? Put a cassette in the radio next time you listen to it. I'd like to hear it again, too. Bring back some memories. And all these years later, I now have a collection of old-time radio uh, that I could literally hide behind. Now, your dad, for those unfamiliar, is Art it Lake. Is Art Lake, of, uh, formerly of WJER. And for those outside the area, I mean, this is a guy who was, like, just one of the quintessential New England voices. I'm very, yeah, I'm very proud to say that he was a pioneer in it. Uh, he started with WJR in 1944. He was the, um, the guy in the East Coast that announced the, uh, the Normandy landings when they happened. I mean, that's how long he's been, he was at it, 61-plus years. Now, tonight, uh, through both this hour and next hour, when we do our live performance, uh, you'll be the one to kill the lake name in radio. <laughs> I certainly hope not. <laughs> but anyway, we do have a great show planned for you tonight. We're on an hour early here because it's just a huge show. Uh, in this first hour, we're going to talk with Kurt Kirsteiner of RadioHorrorHosts.com. He's going to talk to us a bit about these old-time radio shows from the 1930s, 40s, 50s even, uh, some even going up until the 70s. Uh, and we'll talk about all these, and, and specifically the horror, mystery, science fiction genre. Uh, he's also going to give away a set of trading cards that his company produces. We'll talk more about those later on as well. And uh, so we're kind of just going to set the mood for you, give you a little history lesson in old-time radio. And then uh, at the 10 o'clock hour, we're basically going to travel back in time about 60 years, and we're going to produce our own live radio drama. We have a script that was prepared by three local writers, Paul Treniff, Jim DiRuta, and Rebecca Coleman. It's called Possession of the Church. It's a real creepy story. Uh, it, it's kind of a, a combination of the, the struggle that every teenager goes through with the whole who am I conflict, what, what is my contribution to this world, with just a little bit of demonic possession topped in uh, just to make it a little bit creepier and a little scarier. So you definitely want to check that out. If you're listening to the sound of our voices and you're within the uh, driving distance of the spooky studio here at 22 Sconnecate Neck Road in Fairhaven, the WBSM Studios, then why don't you grab a lawn chair, grab a radio, come on down. we got a whole big patio here, a whole big uh, stone area where you can come set up, bring a radio, bring a blanket, lawn chair, whatever you want to do, hang out and watch because we're going to have actors in here actually performing. Uh, it's going to be crazy. People are going to be slapping each other and holding bunny ears over each other and giving each other the finger and all kinds of stuff. So you don't want to miss that. If you can get down here, definitely do. It's a beautiful night. It's going to stay beautiful. So come on down and see something that I, I think – 
Andrew, is historical. I yeah, mean, yeah. this is something that I don't think has ever been done on these airwaves. No, not that I know of. And it's something that is kind of a lost art in general. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you brought this up several months ago, I was I was in like Flint as soon as you brought it up. Of course, uh, it'll probably stay lost by the time we're done with it, too. <laughs> but we're going to do our best. We've got some of the the uh, the regular Spooky South Coast family members here, people that you know and love are going to be part of this uh, production. We've got the writers taking roles as well. Matt Costa is going to have a line. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Moniz is going to pull double duty. Uh, well, it'll just be uh, it'll be something unique and something different. We invite you all to come and share in the madness. So but, uh, first, before we get into that, why don't we go right into hour number one with our guest, Kurt Kirsteiner of RadioHorrorHost.com. And definitely get online if you're home and check out this website, and you'll get an idea of what we're talking about because it really is like a go-to database of all these shows. Uh, Kurt, how is it that you got into old-time radio? Well, um, I had a desire to get involved in film from a very early age, and uh, there was only one problem. Well, there were two problems. One, I lived in Florida, which is about as far away from California as you can get, and the other was I didn't have very much money in order to uh, produce the films that would allow me to, you know, get experience in filmmaking. But I came up with the idea of uh, doing radio dramas as a way to practice my writing skills, my editing skills, my acting skills, um, get familiar with sound design, and so many aspects of film uh, dovetail with, old, with radio drama. And um, uh, I started producing these plays. But the problem was, uh, at that point, uh, I couldn't possibly crank out enough plays to uh, continue a uh, regular series. So you couldn't build up an audience each week unless you had a new drama every single week. So I thought, because I also had a job, I had to, uh, I moved to California and was going to graduate school at Stanford. And uh, uh, when I wasn't uh, in school, I had to, you know, work. So I just didn't have the time to, to uh, produce a, as many shows as I would like or need to in order to build up that audience. And that's when I came up with the idea of basically running old-time radio shows during this, uh, what we call Mystery Playhouse series. And every Sunday night at 10 o'clock, they would hear an hour's worth of old, uh, of radio drama. Whether it was old or whether it was new, that depended on how much, uh, how many of the, the new dramas we were able to produce. But they always, they were always able to hear something and, you know, it, it's amazing. One of the fun things about old radio is that so much of it is kind of dated. But the aspects of horror and science fiction, those are not dated. And uh, they're still as fascinating today as they ever were back in the, in the old days. And when they're not that great, uh, then they're kind of funny and campy because maybe, you know, some weird idea like Martians on, on the moon or something. And then it's kind of, it has a, a different type of entertainment value. So through the course of the years of that series, I heard, heard a whole bunch of old radio dramas and got involved in it that way. And so when you were writing your own dramas, were you kind of copying the exact way that they did things, or did you throw in some modern conveniences? Because like when we do ours, you know, we're not going to have a Foley artist over here with a bunch of tin cans and metal spoons and everything. We've got pre-recorded sound effects. Did you kind of make it easy on yourself, or did you kind of keep it as authentic as you could? Well, see, that's one of the myths about uh, old radio drama. They also had uh, pre-recorded ah. sound effects. They started out with Foley back in the 30s, of course, but uh, af after World War II... Uh, well, actually, during World War II, our, our uh, intelligence offices were perplexed because they were hearing Hitler's speeches all over Germany practically simultaneously, and they couldn't figure out how the Fuhrer was getting around uh, all these places and dodging the, the bombers. 
And then after the war, they discovered that the Germans had invented this thing called uh, tape, audio tape, because they could hear that there was no nicks or pops or clicks and things like that. And so after World War II, we, we basically stole their formula, and uh, we used tape ever since at that point. Uh, even before then, though, we, we also had records that they would play for sound effects. But the Foley artist was for the really top-notch series where they could afford having all these things done live and... Uh, th th those were kind of the golden days of radio in a lot of ways. So, of course, we, we used uh, recorded sound effects. In fact, we used 8 and 16-track uh, recording. But you, the amazing thing about old radio is it hasn't gotten better uh, since that time. It's only gotten up to that level. I mean, the writing can get better, but the art form itself hasn't improved. They, they really did master it at that time. It truly was a golden age. Yeah, um, you were talking about Adolf Hitler and the um, the, uh, the tape recordings. His the actual uh, tape machine that they used was captured by us and brought back to the United States. And a little bit of trivia: Bing Crosby actually taped his shows with that very machine. <laughs> I'll be darned. Yeah, very funny. And then he beat his kids with it after. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Bing. So, and, and Kurt, <laughs> when you started when you started creating your own dramas, I mean, and you said you know the, the writing can improve. Did you? try to write it in that style, or did you try to write your own style and, and adapt it to that format? Well, as a matter of fact, my very first uh, drama was a uh, homage to the Lights Out classic, uh, which was the Arch Obler series, and it was called The Chicken Heart That Ate the World. And uh, it was a lost classic of which I'm only aware of five minutes of it ever being uh, broadcast uh, after the time it was originally played. You know, back... I. Arch Obler did a, a record back in the 1970s called Drop Dead, and he included five minutes of this drama. He probably re-recorded it, because to my knowledge, uh, The Chicken Heart, the original Lights Out, is, is one of the lost classics. Well, I had that five minutes, and it was the ending of the series, of the uh, episode, and I recreated in my own mind what I thought the other 25 minutes would be. So, yes, I very much uh, uh, tried to imitate that style. We, of course, you know, re-recorded the last five minutes as well. I mean, we didn't just splice it in or anything. But, um, you know, you really, you really can get your head into that time zone when you, when you try to imitate that sort of style. And it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a, a, really, uh, a real hoot. We're going to end up putting that on RadioHorrorHost.com uh, uh, in the next few days because it was so much fun to do. Well, talk to us a bit about the site, about what it is that you're trying to do uh, with RadioHorrorHost.com. Well, um, I did uh, succeed in, in going into film. I got into the uh, FSU Film School and uh, uh, pursued that, worked at the TV station. But uh, the interesting aspect of that whole story was the farther I got away from uh, radio drama, the more I missed it. And the more I realized, you know, there is so much you can do with radio drama that you can't do with film. For instance... Uh, you, you cannot do a high-quality, I mean Hollywood, high-quality film production in three weeks. It's impossible, you know. You can't write it, produce it, edit it in three weeks. cannot be done. I don't care who you are and how much money you throw at it. Uh, three months? Well, maybe, probably more like six months, maybe nine months. But you really have to dump a lot of time and energy just to get the logistics of a film off the ground and all the cast of millions and all the money that you have to spend to do it. But with radio drama, you could do it on a, show, a shoestring. I think probably the most I ever spent on a radio drama was 50 bucks. You know? Now, I spent a ton of time, and I spent a lot of effort, 
and a lot of energy in getting good people and, and, and research and writing and editing. And, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to make it sound like it was easy, but it was tremendously easier, and it allows you to, to just go and, and do all sorts of different things. So I, I decided I wanted to go back to it, and, and I, I've continued to keep my uh, finger in, into that. And, and one uh, part of that was starting this uh, uh, website which was pretty much dedicated, it was just really dedicated to all those old radio series, but the, the angle that we used was that we focused on the hosts of those series, because all these horror hosts and all the science fiction shows, they all had some host that was the, um, the continuity that you had from week to week. Because uh, this is another thing that's been lost due to money in Hollywood costing so much, is the old anthology shows are gone. You know, TV imitated old radio for the longest time with shows like The Twilight Zone and Thriller and Way Out. A different episode each week with a completely different cast and a completely different uh, place, different costumes, maybe even a different time. You could do that in old radio for free because you didn't have to change costumes. You just brought in a different cast. Sure. But with Hollywood and, and television and film, that was tremendously expensive to do. You know, you built your set. You didn't want to have to strike the set ap after every single week. So uh, these, these series still needed some sort of continuity, though, since they were jumping around, and they would bring a host that became kind of like a member of the family to people who were listening. You always could count on that voice to guide you through. It might be the whistler. It might even be the shadow. Originally, the shadow wasn't a crime uh, series starring the shadow. It was a crime series with the shadow as the narrator. And he eventually became a character in the series. So we, we set up this website to kind of go and chronicle that, that neat history, and it gave us the opportunity to do what I really wanted to do, which is just to remember all these great series, because it's, it's, it's a travesty how this, this lost art form has been forgotten by so many people. Now, so many of these hosts and these characters are remembered uh, through the years, and even now with sites like yours where you can get the, the actual episodes, and there's a number of old-time radio sites out there because much of it is in the public domain. But did these actors who portrayed these characters, did they become famous, or were they kind of just lost behind their character or behind the host themselves? Well, uh, that's one part of Hollywood that uh, radio did imitate, and that was the here-today-gone-tomorrow notion. Uh, in their day, they were very famous. They weren't famous as in you walk down the street and, oh, there's uh, the guy who does the voice to uh, the shadow. It wasn't that kind of fame. But uh, people in the know, it, once they knew who you were, they obviously, I mean, everybody knew who the shadow was. Amos and Andy, for instance, that's not a horror series. It was a comedy series. But it was so successful that people didn't even have to be at home to listen to it on the radio. They could just walk down the street and everybody would be playing that series and you could just hear it going from house to house to house. So it was a tremendously successful and uh, uh, popular medium in its day. Uh, I, I don't even think that it, it lost its uh, viability from the, the roots up. I think it was from the top down that it lost its viability because when TV came along, the same networks, ABC, CBS, NBC, they were all the, the radio networks, they all dumped their money into that, and they thought it would be more uh, financially successful because people would be able to see the products that were being advertised, and they pulled all these people, the great uh, pools of talent, from radio and plopped them right into TV. Some made the transition, others did not. But it, 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 it effectively uh, eviscerated the, the radio drama uh, 
I, I guess you call it uh, uh, not uh, organization, if you will. You know, it, it had this huge uh, uh, building of, of blocks with engineers, talent, casting directors, writers, and that whole that whole big uh, giant organization moved over to TV. And after that, it was extremely hard for. Uh, people to, uh, you know, basically be able to turn into uh, radio and hear something consistently good over and over. They wanted to hear the great talent. They had to go to TV to see it. Well, we are talking with Kurt Kersteiner of RadioHorrorHosts.com. He's an old-time radio authority. Uh, and if you have any questions for Kurt, give us a call, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. Maybe you just want to share some memories of some of your favorite shows from days gone past. Now, Kurt, you mentioned the networks uh, a few moments ago. These dramas, were they pretty much produced by networks and then syndicated out, or were a lot of different studios, a lot of different uh, stations performing them on their own with local players? Well, that's another neat thing about radio. It was the the experimental uh, motif. It was the experimental model that, that TV imitated, and it basically found out what worked best. And then the answer to your question, it did both. Uh Stations like uh, ABC, NBC, CBS, they all created their stuff from uh, the main uh, organization and floated it out to the stations. But there was another network called uh, WOR, and uh, they did theirs the exact opposite. They, they solicited materials and shows from the stations, and some of those shows were extremely successful. One of them was The Lone Ranger, and another one was the, the very first uh, radio horror series, and it was called The Witch's Tale. And um, it's basically the series that EC Comics imitated when they did their Tales of the Crypt. You know, they would have the old witch Nancy, except they didn't call her Nancy, and uh, and several other characters that imitated that style. So uh, the, the stations had a chance to produce their own series, and if it caught on and other stations started carrying it, it could become very popular and successful. All right, well, why don't we take our first break? When we come back on the other side, we'll talk more with Kurt Kersteiner of RadioHorrorHosts.com. And if you have any questions or old-time radio memories, give us a call, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. And in about 35 minutes, the madness will ensue here at the Spooky Studio when we try to actually perform one of these live radio dramas with an original script called Possession of the Church. There's plenty of space out in front of the big glass windows down here at WBSM. So why don't you come on down, grab a lawn chair, grab a radio, and hang out, join in the fun. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. Lights out, everybody. It is later than you think. The opening to Lights Out, which our guest Kurt Steiner was talking about just a few moments ago. And how's that, Kurt? You know, you, you mention it and we get it for you on demand. Well, I didn't actually get to hear it through my end, but I'm very familiar with it. And I always love the way that they're uh, over the top with that about, uh, you know, we warn you calmly but sincerely to turn off your radio now if you're too frightened. <laughs> you know, you say that you're, you're familiar with it. Andrew Lake was actually in here lip-syncing it as it was going on. <laughs> yeah, Kurt, what's your favorite episode of Lights Out? Boy, that's, that's a toughie. I, I would have to say it's probably episode I've never heard the complete 
one. I just heard another segment of it, and I always wanted to hear the whole thing, and that was the one about the uh, people being turned inside out. Oh, you know, I know the one you're talking about. I, I think I have... Maybe he redid it, but I know I have that in my collection. I know what you're talking about because it had that sickening sound effect of them being turned inside out. Do you know how they made that sound effect, Andrew? No idea. Well, uh, it was very clever. They they took a latex glove and they dipped it in all sorts of jello and they pulled it inside out close to the microphone. <laughs> yeah. And that was the sound of a person being turned inside out. <laughs> have, you, have you ever heard the the uh, the one spider? Yes, that's that's a wonderful episode. Yeah, I like that yeah. one a lot, and I also like the one called Meteor Man. Yes, I I listened to that one not too long ago. I was uh, out hanging out in the garage, and I stuck it in the cassette player. And yeah, that's a good one. Hey Tim, let me say something right now. You know, talking to Andrew, you you mentioned I'm an authority on old time radio. Mm-hmm. All all that means is that, and like Andrew, we've just heard a lot of old radio shows. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's basically how you become an authority. You just you just soak it up like a sponge. And the neat thing about old time radio is. You can get it for so cheap now. You can go on eBay and you can buy uh, MP3 discs of it for $3, $4, and it'll have like 80 episodes or so on it. And you can hear these things. In fact, I, that's how I do my exercise at night. I, I slap one of these things in a, a CD player and, or MP3 player and go for a walk, and I hear an episode of uh, you know, a spooky episode in the dark. It's, it's a, great, a great way to do it. And, and I don't know about Andrew, but I envy the people who are unfamiliar with old radio because they get the pleasure of, of being introduced to this wonderful, wonderful art form. And it's almost like, you know, admiring the kid who's going to Disney World, about to go into the, the haunted uh, house for the first time. You know they're going to have a good time. Yeah, I know a, um, a recently married couple, um, uh, the husband, uh, uh, Pat, was into uh, radio shows like I am. And uh, he's just gotten his wife into it, and it's become their latest habit as they go to bed at night with the lights off in the bedroom. They, they choose an episode of whatever and, and sit back and listen to it. Wait, they're newlyweds, and they sit around in bed well, listening to yeah, old-time well, radio? Well, we won't go into what may go on before <laughs> that, but they do listen to radio shows uh, at, late at night. Ah, uh, the well, afterglow. Well, Andrew, let me ask you a question. What's your favorite way to listen to old-time radio? Oh, in, in the dark. That's a lot of fun. I, I also like uh, sitting on the couch and watching a fire in the fireplace. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah, we've got a very good fireplace at home. I've done that as well, but I do enjoy uh, just sitting in the darkness of my room with only a little bit of ambient light coming through the curtains. And if you're driving, if you're driving, that's a wonderful uh, instance to listen I, to radio I had, drama. I had a courier job from hell where I drove almost 12 hours a night through Connecticut and Massachusetts. And uh, used to do that. Uh, there was nothing on the radio, so I used to bring a, uh, a cassette player along with me and, and uh, just play whole collections while I drove around all night. Well, anybody who has to do a lot of driving, you're, you ha- you, you're basically either ignorant or insane if you don't at least invest in a few old-time radio tapes or CDs and try it out because it will make the time fly. Yeah, I agree. Even so, though, you can get so much of it for free on the Internet legally. That's true. And so at least download a couple episodes. I mean, I, I got The Shadow through iTunes for free. Mm-hmm. And, you know, throw on an episode, jump on the treadmill, and you know that an hour's gone by. And then it's time to get off the treadmill, and you're just waiting for them to wrap up the story so that you can get off the treadmill. But it's it's a good way to do it. Um, now I want to ask both of you guys, since you're both so into listening to these dramas. I mean, do you listen to them? I know that you have them on cassette, Andrew, and I'm sure uh, that you have many on MP3 cart. But did you go out and get an old radio? You know, some sort of device. You know, they have those old time looking radios that you can I, buy. I, that I've play actually cassette. seen them in the catalogs and thought about it. But, no, I've just got a standard tape player. Well, this is one instance where I can uh, say that I've outdone Andrew and not do any uh, 
part of my own. But my the fellow who was the narrator for our series, his name is Dr. Morgan on Mystery Playhouse. He gave me one of those old-time radios where you, it has a cassette slot where you stick the cassette in, and so you can pl- play the tape, and it's like you're listening to it from an old radio. And that, that's always been a very special gift to me. That's, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm going to get around to it because they do look pretty cool. I've seen them in the catalogs. Especially when they have that single, you know, Cyclops eye glow, yeah. and you're watching it by the glow of that radio. Yeah, although I, I have to say, if it's a choice between buying that and MP3 player, you know, uh, how can you, how can, I, I'm a big advocate of, of walking and listening to, to radio dramas, because not only is it fun, and it kind of keeps your eyes busy, you don't fall asleep or anything, and it's uh, it just... It makes the exercise so easy, and mm-hmm. I, I find myself looking forward to breaking a sweat, going out there and exercising because those shows are so much—they're so entertaining. And you can fit thousands of them on an, on an iPod. Oh yeah. So, and we'll keep plugging iPod in the hopes that they'll send us, you know, new iPhones <laughs> or something. But they never do. So uh, now that you have the website up and running and you have your own dramas going, I mean, do you find that? Uh, you're kind of a, a go-to source for people that want to share their memories of, you know, some of the older crowd that want to remember when they heard these live on the air? Well, you know, there's a number of sites in which people do that. Uh, we haven't set up that wing to our uh, on our site yet, but I think I should because it's uh, it, I love hearing other people's stories the same as I like reminiscing about it myself. I'm only 44, so I, I didn't get to hear these shows, you know, when they when they played. But when you hear the, well, originally, when they originally played, but when you hear the people who grew up in that era, it's so fascinating to hear their stories. I heard a, a combat-hardened soldier from World War II tell me when he heard the episode of uh, Lights Out about the chicken heart, and he said, we were in a barracks, and we were, re- we were getting shipped out to Europe to go fight in Normandy. And that episode played, and right at the climax of the show, the power went out, and the, the barracks just went berserk in fright. Everyone was, they were just terrified. And you know, thought, I hear you had all these battle-hardened uh, soldiers who were prepared to go over there and invade Europe and, you know, shoot Nazis and be shot at, and they were chickening out over a chicken heart. I just, I just love that image, but it also shows how effective these shows were. Yeah, you, yeah Kurt, you're talking about uh, World War II era. Uh, I go down to uh, Reading, Pennsylvania every year to um, a World War II weekend where they, they welcome that generation to come and, and be honored and, and uh, to speak and, and just uh, take part in um, you know, the, the old aircraft and, and so on and so forth. And they do old radio shows there down at the airstrip. They set up a hangar and people actually dress up in 40s clothing and redo plays with Foley artists and so on and so forth. And you watch the old timers from the World War II generation just beaming as they're listening to it because it's bringing back so much to them. Oh, great. Well, we have a guest on the uh, caller on the line for you, Kurt, so let's uh, take that call. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast with our guest, Kurt Kirstein. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. Do you, uh, do you have an old... Canada? I'm sorry? Um, I emailed you before and uh, asked if you would do uh, a show on OTR and you told me you'd already thought of it. Yep. And um, I'd just like to say that I'm really glad that you are doing it, and it's, it's getting more uh, promotion. Uh, I'm an OTR buff from way back, and um, I have a, a site that anybody can, it's public domain, and um, you can download anything I have there. And it's called the Whistler's Radio Flyer, and it's on uh, Multiply. Oh, we'll, and, we'll um, put a link up for sure. I would like to say one thing, though. 
Um, you mentioned the shadow, mm-hmm. and uh, as far as I know, the shadow is not public domain. Um, the shadow character is copyrighted, mm-hmm. uh, so apparently there's some argument going on whether you can actually have the show's public domain or somebody else owns them. So that's one show I don't have on my site. Well, I know that um, through iTunes, they were actually offering it as a free download. Because okay. every once in a while, they toss out some things for free for people to download, and they had, a, I think it was 10 or 12 episodes that you could download for free to try to get people into, you know, signing up for it. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. there's about a dozen of them that you could grab that way. Yeah, I know people actually put the scripts of the shadow up, and um, they were told they had to take them down. Wow. So they couldn't even have the scripts up. So I don't know. Possibly they've sorted that out. I, I don't know. But I'm just glad you're doing the show, and I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. I can't wait to check out the site. I love to see uh, old radio sites. And uh, she's right. There is a big controversy over the shadow. What isn't so certain is that the person or the organization that claims to have the copyright, it, you know, doesn't re- they're not the people who produced the series. And, you know, there's some debate as to whether or not they just glommed on to it and said they had the copyright. But uh, either way, the longest the copyright can last is 100 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, that would be, you know, 1938, uh, 1940s. I think the shadow was right there in the 1940s that started up. And maybe as early as, uh, yeah, it would have been before 1938. Uh, so, you know, by 2038, we know for sure it will be available public domain. Well, what about the, the film? Uh, when the film came out, maybe that had some effect on it. What you, would you think of the film version? Well, I, I what I try to do when I go see movies like that is I try to park my... Uh, old baggage about what the you know well, what it should be at the door because if you go in there and you say do that you're going to go and you're going to watch King Kong and you're going to say this is not you know how King Kong should be so if you if you went and saw the movie and just forgot everything about the Shadow old radio series it was an enjoyable movie if on the other hand you're a big fan of the Shadow and you're kind of defensive about its legacy there were a lot of things that they took liberties with in that movie. And from that standpoint, it, it, it could be considered a disappointment. But, uh, but I enjoyed it because I was consciously trying not to compare it to the old radio series. All right, why don't we take our final break of the hour? When we come back on the other side, we'll talk more with Kurt Kersheiner about some of these shows. We'll reminisce about them, and we'll take your calls at 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. And in just a little while, we'll do our own live radio drama. But before that, we'll give away a prize. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. Dear ghost, dear ghost, dear ghost, this is a true story. There's not much point in inventing ghost stories. Anyone can do it. It's rather like playing a game whose rules one has made up without telling one else what they are. The events I'm going to report took place in a glorious blaze in the most marvellous summer in living memory. England. The summer of 1921. Good it was that summer to be alive. But to be young was very heavenly. I was as old as the century. Twenty-one. Biotech. The new soap and pre-wash powder presents Beyond Midnight by Michael McKay. Just soak. Just soak in biotech. Just soak. Just soak in biotech. 
Wait a minute. Have you heard the strange tales of the Whistler? I may be the district attorney, but if my son is guilty, he can pay the penalty like anyone else. I'll prosecute him. Then, Blake, I'll start on you. Sunday night, and again, CBS presents The Whistler. I, the whistler, know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales, many secrets hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. And so I tell you tonight the unusual story of the weakling. Young Clyde Banning, son of District Attorney Banning, steps out of a nightclub following a gay New Year's Eve party. An expensive limousine pulls up to the curb and Clyde gets in. Clyde has done some careless driving lately, had his driver's license revoked is now forced to be driven about by Rawlins, the family chauffeur. Where to now, Mr. Benning? Let's go home. Right, welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here. Silent Assassin Matt Costa is here alongside, along with Andrew Lake of Greenville Paranormal Research. And Matt Moniz is on his way to the giant super, store, super box store down the street to try and get a radio so that everybody outside can listen to our live radio broadcast. We've got some people out here on blankets and, and pajamas, and it's perfect. It's, it's, a, it's a great night for it. So come on down. We will have a radio out there so you can listen alongside all of our all of our fans that are gathering out there, and we highly recommend it. Kurt, have you ever actually had a live audience when you performed one of your original dramas? Yes, we did. We uh, broadcast out of a uh, Stanford uh, KZSU radio station, which was... Uh, basically the Bay Area out there in San Francisco and San Jose, Silicon Valley area. And uh, some, of the episodes, some of the shows we performed live, some of them we uh, recorded, and some of them we did pre-recorded segments. So uh, they were always a lot of fun. As a matter of fact, uh, once we did an episode, a series called uh, The Nuclear War of the World, where the, uh, the Martians uh, take over the world by... Uh, uh, making making both uh, Russia and the United States think that both countries are attacking one another, and then they just basically nuke everyone and take over. <laughs> they kill their, themselves, and the Martians take over that way. Well, uh, we got in a little bit of trouble on that one because it was a little too realistic, and people thought <laughs> we were. <laughs> this is during the Cold War, mind you. The Orson Welles effect. Yeah, exactly. So you got to be a little cautious in that regard. Now, we played going out of break, we played Beyond Midnight, and coming back in from break, we played uh, The Whistler. What are some of these more endearing shows? I mean, are there ones that kind of have fallen off that you found uh, digging through the archives that you just can't find anymore? Are there ones that just seem to be the ones that everybody remembers and, and those are the ones that endure? Uh, the easy answer to that, one of my favorite series was one that wasn't all that successful, but it was produced by the same fellow who produced the original Lights Out. And then uh, Arch Obler took over for him. This person, whose name was Willis Cooper, went out to work in Hollywood writing films. He wrote uh, the screenplay for one of the Frankenstein sequels. And his stuff was good, but you know he wasn't used to having people rewrite his stuff. And uh, he eventually went back to radio and produced a series called Quiet, Please. The thing and in the horrible board. A wonderful, wonderful, wonderful series. It didn't get the syndication that uh, other series did, 
But this entire series was lost for decades and decades. There was only, well, there was 12 episodes that people had, maybe 10 episodes, and that was it. The rest were all thought to be gone. And then in the 1990s, they resurfaced the entire run. From A few were missing, but most of them. And uh, that's just a wonderful, wonderful series. Just uh, it, There's not a bad episode in there that doesn't have something that makes it a fascinating show. Well, that's good news to hear, Kurt, because um, uh, the thing on the Forable board uh, is the only one I have of that in my collection. Oh wow! You know, you know the one I'm talking about. Absolutely. Oh, that one favorite. made that one made my skin crawl. I had a uh, a brother who, when he was uh, living at home, he used to look at my father and I and shake his head that we'd listen to these things. And one night he sat in in the dark and listened to that episode, and it scared the bejesus out of him. Oh, absolutely! And you know what? Um, you asked me what my favorite episode of Lights Out was, but if you asked me what my favorite episode of all old time radio would be, it would be the thing on the floorboard. Oh man, that that one just absolutely is one of one of my all time favorites. Uh, a radio show uh, lost, only a few episodes exist. Uh, is um, I Love a Mystery with Tony Randall uh, as uh, uh, Reggie York. You know yes. the one. You know the series I'm talking about. Oh, absolutely, wonderful I, series. I loved it, and it just, I just frustrates the heck out of me that the, there's only a handful of the episodes with with some installments missing from it. I, I think the writer of that series was named Carl Morse. Yes, Carl E. Morse. Yeah, he lived he, right out there in uh, in our area, not not too far from Stanford. And one of my biggest regrets was. I had a uh, appointment to interview him, and I had to leave, and I had to give that to a friend who went out there and interviewed him, got to see his ranch, got uh, to see his everything, you know, and he's since passed away, but, you know, that was my big loss. He also did uh, Adventures by Morse, too, which was kind of like a uh, sort of a all slightly altered um, uh, I Love a Mystery. Uh, but uh, 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 Bury Your Dead Arizona is one of my... Uh, oh, my wonderful f- series. They lost a whole bunch of series. Uh, you know, the, I mentioned earlier The Witch's Tale. That series, the guy had every single one of his episodes on uh, disc or, you know, whatever, the acetate disc. Mm-hmm. And then uh, basically he kept thinking old radio was going to come back, and it never did. And by the 1970s, he got disenchanted. And he just threw it all away, uh, the entire series. Uh, and that was a wonderful series. They didn't have the best, they didn't have the best uh, sound design, but they had wonderful scripts. And uh, reading those scripts, they're really even today. The scripts are wonderful to read. There's a book called The Witch's Tale, and you can read like a half dozen or thirteen of the episodes, and they're great. Uh, even uh, Inner Sanctum Mysteries, there's still a couple hundred of those that are missing. Uh, there, there's a whole bunch that have yet to resurface. Hopefully, some will, but unfortunately, most of them won't at this point. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, uh, let me uh, ask a little trivia question for our uh, card set. I think someone sure. might get a real charge out of that. Sure. Uh, this is a series that we gave away on our series. It was a uh, it's a 42 card set, and it basically profiles uh, some of the best episodes of old time radio. And uh, we had artists recreate in their mind, uh, you know, what these characters and and climactic scenes from these series were and it tells about the series on the back and we'll give away a free set of that to anyone who can answer what is I consider a pretty easy uh, trivia question for okay. an old radio fan and that is that there was one series back in the 40s and it went on for a while it's the only series other than the uh, NBC uh, three tone that goes dun 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 you know that that's a copyrighted sound effect. That was a good version. Now you're going to get us sued, but <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's copyrighted. But this is the only other sound effect that was copyrighted, and it was used at the introduction of this series. Every single episode started out with this sound effect. Tremendously popular, 
and uh, the person who did this series recycled that idea later on, and we could talk about that. Uh, but first, can anybody guess what the name of that series was? Well, there you go. If you have the answer, give us a call, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500, to give us the answer to that trivia question. Uh, now, you mentioned these trading cards. Uh, when you produce these cards, you sell them on the website? or uh, We do sell them on our website, but that's a different website. Uh, I do a, a trading card company that's called MonsterWax.com. And because uh, we do a lot of Halloween, Halloween themes and big series, that's a monster. And uh, people call trading cards wax because mm -hmm. of the wax pack. So the company's called MonsterWax.com, and we have that and a whole bunch of uh, horror, science fiction, and uh, uh, kind of classic theme trading cards. Do you throw that crappy gum in there, too? We, we have some series coming up that are going to have the gum in it. Oh, we're nice. famous... Because we like the vintage feel of things. We don't use foil wrappers. We like to do original art. You know, we like to do things the old way. We're very old school in that regard. You know, I used to collect cards, all, all different cards back when I was a kid. And I'm, I'm only 30, but I used to collect, uh, you know, whatever, garbage pail kids, things like that. They used to come out. And I found some old packages in my in my grandparents' house that still had the gum in them. Oh, my Actually, God. They were from you the first it, Batman movie. I did, and it disintegrated in my mouth as soon as I put it in my mouth. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, hey, that's the taste of childhood. What can you do? Hey, I'm just uh, surprised you're still with us. That's wonderful. <laughs> well, I didn't eat much. That's why. Now, uh... With these trading cards, you know, we're going we're to have to get a, a set of paranormal talk radio cards going here. But <laughs> Hey, and I, 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 I love doing new series, and I think that would be fun. There's, there's a lot of shows out there, so you could definitely uh, pull it off. Uh, but do you find that that's just another way to keep the memory alive, you know, to, to give people these pictorial representations of what might have, you know, been encompassed in these stories? Yeah, I've had a few people who are not old radio fans, but they're, they're trading card fans. That they'll either buy these or they'll encounter them in trades and stuff like that, and they'll contact me and you know want to know about the other cards that they need for their set or something like that, and uh, and then they end up getting some of them end up getting involved in old time radio, and it's just you know I guess because there's no money in it, there's not a commercial interest that's promoting old time radio now. Uh, that's one of the things I love about the fact that you guys are doing your own drama tonight. Uh, they're just doesn't be, uh, apparently you guys aren't trying to get rich because you know you're no. giving it away for free yeah and that's how uh you know that i think why we don't see very much in the way of drama they haven't figured out a way to make money off of it now because if you do a nice beautiful drama what station are you going to put it on you know who, who's going to uh, give a whole half hour to a radio drama when you know the sponsors all want these little jingles and stuff like that and they have short attention spans and well let me ask you this kurt uh, when it comes to paying for radio, one of the things that's uh, you know it's not really supposed to be mentioned on these airwaves is satellite radio, mm -hmm. and I have I personally have the one with two letters, and they have a, a channel devoted two channels devoted to old time radio, mm -hmm. and, and they play a lot of these old shows. I mean, maybe that is the the future of keeping the genre alive, where it's this specialized radio, and you can have those channels. Maybe we can get them to start picking up more original broadcasts as well. That would be great, and I think that uh, another thing in their favor that should be mentioned is a lot of times they will go in there and clean up some of these episodes that have been you know, taken from acetate uh, LPs and have a lot of static, and they'll clean them up. And, and you know, you, you, can, you hear an old episode of, uh, oh, say, Gunsmoke, for example. When it's all cleaned up, you can really, really feel yourself in the presence of the, of the old West. And that's the beauty of radio drama. See, the, the thing about films is that you're seeing the director's uh, vision of a story. And what's remarkable about books 
is that you're imagining the story and feel the story the same way the author does, and maybe you're even envisioning it more than the author did. Well, radio is, to my not, to my way of thinking, the only medium that captures both of those things. You get the director's feel for the actors and the performance. You get the vocal presentation of you know whoever the actor is, but you're still able to envision the scenes like you do in a book. Plus. You get the benefit of music, which, you know, books don't have any music, and music is a wonderful mood-establishing device. So uh, old-time radio, to me, just it, it captures the very best of what film and books have to offer. Absolutely. And, and when you talk about how these episodes have been cleaned up, that's one of the things that I'm kind of sorry about tonight is that, you know, we, have, we broadcast over AM airwaves here on WBSM, and so there'll be a bit of that old-time feel coming over in AM radio. But when it comes to podcasting and live streaming, which is really, you know, the heart of our audience, because we have listeners all over the place. And what they're going to hear is they're actually going to hear a very clean, very digital version of what's going on. It's not going to really have that feel and atmosphere. I mean, maybe we can throw some filters on it later on. But if you're listening online or you listen to the podcast later on, you might not even get that feel. So it's kind of up to us in the performance aspect of it to try and live up to what it is that these old shows created. Well, Tim, it doesn't sound like anybody uh, is, going, uh, is close enough to their phone who knows the answer to that question. So we'll, we'll go ahead and answer that. And we'll go ahead and uh, go ahead and give the uh, set away to whoever is the first caller. Okay. But the answer to the question was a wonderful series. The producer's name was Hyman Brown. And the series was called Inner Sanctum Mysteries. And the sound effect was the sound of a squeaking door opening. And he said that that was the star of his show. It was a wonderful, wonderful way of getting people in the mood. You hear this squeaking door opening and the voices say, Come in, welcome to the Inner Sanctum. I'm your host, Raymond. <laughs> and he was a great, great host indeed. You, so, you know who gets the credit for that, that uh, squeaking door, though? It was the BBC. They had a show with uh, Valentine Dial as the man in black. Hmm. And my, my father had always said, you know, as much as you know, he enjoyed Inner Sanctum, being in the broadcast uh, business, he knew uh, that uh, uh, the inspiration came from the BBC with uh, Valentine Dial, who, was, who had a terrific uh, 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 voice. Um, he was also a very good actor, too, uh, when he went into films. But, uh, yeah, he was, he was the, the, the man who opened the, the, the creaking door. Well, I'd love to hear more about that, and that's uh, doubly interesting because after Inner Sanctum concluded, there was a uh, BBC version of Inner Sanctum called The Squeaking Door, and they, it was produced out of South Africa. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. so it m must have kind of done a, a boomerang, so to speak. Yeah, I guess, uh, like Marie Antoinette said, there's nothing new except that which has been forgotten. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, what I think I'm going to do is I'm definitely going to give you guys each other's email addresses because I think you're going to have a lot of fun swapping episodes and swapping stories. And uh, we definitely would like to have you back in the future, Kurt, to talk more uh, about these old-time radio shows. And, and maybe we can, you know, in the future, aside from producing our own scripts, maybe we can get permissions to air some of these old episodes and put them back on the radio where they belong. Sure. I would love that, and uh, there's so many, uh, like like any other, uh, uh, everything about old radio is fun. You know, there's, even the bad stuff makes great stories. It's, I, I just wish there were more books on it, but there is one, one good book out there that people can still pick up, and that's called Tune In From Yesterday, and it's by an author named Dunning. And for a long time, it cost over 100 bucks to buy that book, and now I think uh, they reprinted it. It's a big, thick thing. There's a lot of information about old-time radio in there, and you could probably pick up a copy for 30 or so bucks used. 
All right, well, it looks like we have a caller here to, to win that set. Let's go out of the phones. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How are you doing? Hello. Hey, how are you doing tonight? All right. You calling to win the trading card set? Absolutely. All right. Well, then hang on. Uh, we'll take your... One, one, one thing, though. You guys forgot Ichi Marshall. He also had the Greek Endure. Well, funny you should mention that because guess who produced that series? Hyman uh, Brown. Uh, he came see, back in go. the 1970s, and he recreated the glory days of old radio single-handedly, practically, because he put out five episodes a week. Actually, I guess it was four episodes, and then they did a repeat on Friday night. Four a week. Absolutely yeah. incredible. And he called it the CBS Mystery Theater. E.G. Marshall was the host. And yes, you're correct. He used that's, that squeaky door sound effect as the introduction. That's right. Actually, I have a collection of that. I got it on uh, disc. Well, you definitely deserve the prize because well, that's a that's a wonderful piece of trivia, and and I think it's E.G. Uh, e. Marshall. Uh, E.G. Marshall didn't stay for the entire series. He had some health problems. But Hyman Brown continued to produce that series for close to 10 years. Excellent. And, uh, and I heard that as a, as a kid. That was my, my original old-time radio experience. The closest thing I got to hear old-time radio as a kid was the CBS Mystery Theater. Listening to it, we lived in an old plantation house that would come on at 10 o'clock at night. I wasn't supposed to be awake, and the only way I could stay awake long enough to hear that was to hold a book over my head in bed, and when the book would fall, it'd wake me back up. But once the once the series started, man, I'd be glued to that radio for a whole hour. All right, well, hang on. We'll take your information, and uh, we'll we'll take it off the air. So we'll put you on hold. Okay. And Kurt, we thank you for joining us tonight. We'll definitely talk to you in the future. His name is Kurt Kersteiner. His website is Radio Horror Hosts. Dot com. You can also check out, what's the Monster Wax website, Kurt? It's MonsterWax.com. There you go. Perfect. All right. We'll talk to you real soon. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks. All right. We'll be right back in just a few minutes with our live radio drama. You don't want to miss it. There's plenty of space. we got the radio out there now, Matt Moniz. we got a radio out there so you can listen to it. You can hear it out there. Bring a blanket. Bring a lawn chair. Bring some refreshments. Bring whatever you want to do. But most of all, please bring mercy and pity for us. We'll be right back in just a few with our live radio drama here on Spooky South Coast. Dr. Hackalot's Consumption Cream presents Spooky South Coast Theater. Possession of the Church, an original radio drama written by Jim DeRuda, Paul Treneth, and Rebecca Coleman. Youth. They say it is wasted on the young. The enigma of wisdom is that it must come from experience, and there is no way to get experience except by living, unless maybe you are an old soul. If you care to listen to this tale, you will perhaps learn a thing or two about experience and about the well from which true wisdom springs. So here is the story of a boy named Toby. Well, the hour has arrived. Four weeks ago, I thought I was just fighting some typical teen struggle against this town and the way it makes everybody like the same things, do the same things. I thought, I'm just an average guy, just trying to be myself. But now I'm sitting in this church pew in the dark, wearing a velvet robe clasped around my neck with a silver chain with the full moon sending a blood-red beam of light through the eyes of the huge fox in the stained-glass window, right onto the silver chalice filled with who knows what. Clara and I are ready with a plan. 
But these people seem more serious than I thought. Sure, four weeks ago it was about principles. Now it's about my life. I know Clara and I can do it. I have no doubt. She's strong and smart, and I'm determined. We won't be beat. We won't let our friends be lost. Oh, Eddie, we're going to help you. We'll bring you back. Once we get you to stop drinking this poison. Just four weeks ago. Well, I won't drink it. Not if it turns me into one of those freaking zombies over there. I'll cut my tongue out first. Hand me that macaroni salad. You know it won't be as easy as just saying no to the drink, Eddie. Look at them. They're all so perfect, so wonderfully happy. You can't just skip the drink tonight and everything's okay. You're gonna have to act, too. We're both gonna have to conform. That's why we've been watching them. That's why we've been behaving. All our friends, Toby. Every one of the 16-year-olds changed. I used to think it was all about just being our own person, but they're really doing something to them with that drink. They're not the same. They're not our friends anymore. We're like the last ones left out of everybody. It's just us and Clara and Jesse. I know. We'll do something. Don't worry. First of all, like you said, skip the drink tonight. I'll skip it next month. You know we can't avoid the ceremony, but we've got to skip the drink. They know we're the last ones, and then we'll keep the others from drinking once we've got the elders fooled. Whatever it is they're drinking, once we get them off it, we'll get them back. Yeah, but what then, Toby? Are we going to run away with all of them? We need to take this to the next step. True enough, Eddie. True enough. I think leaving is the best idea, unless we can find some way to get the whole town off the stuff, too. But you know how they guard it. We might have to just accept the fact that the grown-ups are lost. And we'll do what we can to save the kids before it's too late. How much money have you saved? Two hundred. I've got two fifty. That'll get us started. Even if we get all the kids, four fifty should be a good start. And I know some of them will have their own money. But let's get them free first. Then we're worried about that. Hell, before you know it, we'll all have jobs someplace far away from here. We'll be settled into our own lives. Then we'll be able to come back and get them all free. True enough. Well, let's eat some dessert. The supper's almost over. I hate chicken. The ceremony starts in two hours. Want to go into the sanctuary and go over the plan? Sounds good. Pie, then thwart evil. Toby and Eddie have bitten off more than they can chew. Maybe some time in the sanctuary before Eddie's ceremony will prove to be illuminating. It's eerie. Look at the light through the window, Eddie. It's red. It fills this whole room. Toby, why would a church have a fox in a stained glass window? Shouldn't it be an angel or a cross or something? I don't know. It's got to have something to do with a ceremony, I suppose. It's got such a weird smile. Yeah, creepy. 
Have you ever heard baby foxes calling to their mother in the summer? You'd swear it was somebody having their intestines pulled out. It's so freaking horrible. This screaming, hideous, painful, demonic laughter. Laughter? Yeah, like pain and laughter together. Even though it sounds like bloody murder, there's something about it that makes it sound like somebody's having fun dying. Yeah. I don't want to hear about this right now. It's creepy enough in here. How are you going to fool the elders if you get yourself all worked up about screaming foxes? I don't know. It's kind of funny. I don't feel scared right now. It's like the eyes in the window are making me feel kind of calm. Like, I'll be okay. Well, at least you do. It's your night after all. You're the one who's got to fool them. I'll just be walking home while you're in here. Do you want me to wait on the way home to make sure you're okay? Yeah, you should. But don't worry, I feel fine. I suddenly feel like there's no trouble at all. Like, everything will fall into place. Hey, don't get too calm. We're not kidding around here. We know they're really changing people. Don't forget, we're the only ones left. Think about it. They all stopped caring about their friends. They're all dressing in their traditional clothes now. They're all reading the church books. Nobody wants to get out of here anymore. They're all just clones. They all just come to these chicken dinners once a month and get in line and smile and do what they're told. And they all drink their juice. Does that sound normal for teenagers? Don't worry. I'm not forgetting. It's just that I feel okay right now. I feel in control and, I don't know, wise. Like the best I've ever felt. Nah, you don't have to worry. I know, I've got it under control. It's almost time, so you better go, but I'll be okay. Go ahead, wait for me near the bridge. I'll be there right after the ceremony. What if something goes wrong? Nah, nothing's gonna go wrong. Don't worry, I'll be there. It'll be okay. Okay, just don't drink the juice. Don't worry, I'll see you soon. All right, I'll go to the bridge and wait. Yes, Toby, go to the bridge. Eddie and Jesse will be just fine. What could go wrong, after all? Let others worry about these things. We can worry about this. Get a can of Dr. Lyon's tooth powder today for a few cents at any drugstore. See what a surprise you get the first time you use it. We believe you'll never again return to ordinary, less effective ways of cleaning your teeth. Light up a cremo, a mellow mild cremo, a winning smoke by far. You can search every climb, but at three for a dime, you can't beat a cremo cigar. Cigar-Smoking Society. This is Arthur Godfrey down in Washington, D.C. Mike Man Godfrey, Cremo's capricious custodian of the calorific cantata. Schaefer is the one beer to have when you're having more than one. Schaefer says Fade even when your thirst is done. The most rewarding savor in this man's world for people who are having fun. Savor is the one bit of when you're having 
Caper, the one beer to have when you're having more than one. We now return to Spooky South Coast Theater. And look at the full moon shining on the water, the way it was shining through that glass. <sighs> Eddie should have been here already. Wait, here comes somebody. Eddie, is that you? Eddie! It's Clara. Is that you, Toby? Yeah, what are you doing here? I'm waiting for Jessie. It's her night, and I told her I'd wait here at the bridge. I want to make sure she comes out of it okay. Really? I'm waiting for Eddie. Why do you care what happens? Because I don't like things the way they are. Why are you waiting for Eddie? Waiting for what? Well, we kind of had a plan to fool the elders. I'm starting to worry that it didn't work. Oh, my God. We did, too. What was your plan? To skip the drink? Yeah, is that what Jesse was going to do? Something must be wrong. It's been two hours now. What could have happened? Two more have joined the fold, Master Velmus. Only two remaining, and their time is short till the next moon. I can feel their strength now, Sardosian. I will soon be ready for the gathering. When I have them all, there will be no way for me to lose. Yes. Yes. Oh, Toby, what have you gotten yourself into? It looks like you really may be in over your head. You need some advice, Toby, some words of wisdom from the voice of experience. Turn to those you can count on, my young friend. Who better to consult than Mommy and Daddy? Toby, can you please come here? Your father and I would like to have a word with you. Oh, great. This is all I need. It's bad enough I'm due for the ceremony, and I don't know how Eddie made out. I know they want to talk about my turn. Coming! Thanks, dear. How are you feeling? I guess I'm all right, Mom. I'm a little worried about the ceremony. What's the matter, son? Nervous? It's not that. It's that I'm not sure I want to go through with it. Well, dear, you know there's no choice about that. We all go through it. Don't worry. It'll be okay. You'll see. Tell him, Carl. Yes, son. You'll see. Once you're in the fold, so to speak, you'll see how comforting it is to be part of something bigger than yourself. But I want to be myself, Dad. Where's my personality? My individuality. If I'm just like everybody else, what value is there to my life? What will I have accomplished? I don't want to sound ungrateful, and I don't want to sound like I'm insulting your lives. But you must understand that I have this urge to be myself, to go out on my own and accomplish something. Didn't you feel like this when you were young? Of course I did, son. But I have really found that my contribution to the community is of great value. I didn't have to go to the big city to find my worth as a person. I found it here, in the church. I found it in surrender to something bigger than myself. We're so lucky to have a son like you. You know, when we were young, we were rebellious, but not like you. 
Not like me. What do you mean? Well, believe it or not, your father and I were regular terrors around this town, weren't we, Carl? We only cared about ourselves. We did some things we're not very proud of, and that we've never told you about. It seemed like harmless, harmless mischief at, to us at the time, but looking back now, we're really ashamed. And you've never been a troublemaker like we were. You've always been so respectful and well-behaved. That's what I mean. What kind of trouble are you talking about? Selfish things, Toby. We'd take things that weren't ours from stores, from people's houses. As your mother said, we're really quite ashamed of those things. Isn't that right, Carol? Yes. And worst of all was our mischief at the church. We tried to vandalize it once, and I guess you can say we were lucky to get treated the way we were instead of something far worse. What do you mean? What happened? Well, we thought we'd deface the stained glass window. You mean the fox? Yes. We were going to throw white paint on it, but we were stopped by the most fortunate of coincidences. Fortunate indeed. In fact, it was the full moon before your mother and I were to go through the ceremony. I guess our rebellion had reached its peak, and we were determined to keep ourselves free from what seemed to be almost... Well, I don't want to make too big a deal out of it, but it seemed to us that our friends, our families, our neighbors were all possessed. I guess it was just our overactive teenage minds getting the best of us. We knew that our friends went into the ceremony like us and came out like the others. And we knew that the ceremony always was on the full moon when the light shined through the stained glass window. So we thought... Well, we thought... We thought that if we stopped the light from going through the glass, it might stop the possessions. The light through the glass doesn't seem very likely. Didn't they think about the drink? I'd better not say anything. It might be my only chance. Well, what happened? What stopped you? The strangest thing, really. We were making our way to the church about two hours before the ceremony, so it was already dark. And it was the early summer... An unusually hot night. Yes, I remember it so clearly. The air was still and hot, thick with the smells of the moss. We were making our way to the church through the woods, our shoes getting damp with the dew, and we could see the moonlight glinting off the stained glass. The fox's eyes were reflecting the light right at us. We looked at each other and were just gathering the courage to chuck the buckets of paint at the church when we heard it. It was almost twenty years ago on a hot, muggy night just like this. Carl! Carl! Don't go so fast. I'll spill my paint. All we need is to get it on us, and they'll know it was us. Okay, okay. I'm sorry, Carol. I know. We have to stick together. Look, th there it is now, anyway. Carl... I'm scared. It's okay. I am too. We'll be okay. Let's just take a minute to calm down and think about what we're doing. Let's stop here and make sure that we're ready. Oh, don't worry. I'm ready. I'm just as scared too. Well, let's just go over our checklist. First, we sneak around from that side. That side there, so if nobody's looking out, they won't see us coming. I'll duck under the window to the other side. We'll make sure we have eye contact, not at each other, 
Then I'll count one, two, three. And on four, we'll throw the paint, drop the cans, and run through the pine grove back to the bridge. Then we split quick, get home, change our clothes, and get back to our regular stuff. You're reading a book, and me writing some music. We'll be okay. Our parents think we're at home already, and we're not expected to be at the church. Okay. That seems okay. What do we do if we get caught? Carol, if we're caught, we'll be possessed. We have to succeed. That's all there is to it. Right. Right. I'm ready. Let's get to the window. Good. We should be safe to whisper. The ceremony's still a ways off. There it is. I'm going to the other side. the eyes, Carl. How the moon shines red. It's eerie. It's sparkling like it's alive. Well, let's go. Ready? All right, then. One, two... What was that? Quiet, Carol. They hear us. Hey, hey, hey. Stop. Oh, Carl did they do to you? What was that noise? What happened? Well, like I said, Toby, we were very fortunate. You see, the elders weren't even really mad with us. Of course, we didn't damage the window. They just very, I don't know, mercifully calmed us down and and took us inside. They talked to us for almost an hour, calming us, explaining some of the things we were just told you about being part of something bigger than yourself and how working together makes it makes that bigger thing stronger you know we began to see things their way not like we were burying some propaganda but it was like we just we suddenly saw the light exactly it was as though we began to feel almost wise wouldn't you say carl exactly i felt wise the elders moved our ceremony up by one month And we gladly gave ourselves to the cause that night. And honestly, Toby, speaking for myself, I've never regretted it. Nor I, son. Nor I. That's why your mother and I feel so confident that a fine young man like you, so loyal to his friends, so respectful of others, so smart and talented, you'll be pleased to give yourself to the wisdom of the bigger thing. But what was that noise? The noise? Well, as horrifying as it sounded to us at the moment, it was really nothing more than a little baby calling for its mother. A baby fox, that is. This time of year, the same as that night years ago, the spring foxes are old enough to make a real racket, but not old enough to hunt on their own. So Mama Fox leaves them behind while she looks for food. And if she's gone too long, the hungry babies start howling. It's just a simple family discussion, just like the one we're having now. Though ours doesn't sound like somebody's being horribly murdered. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Carl. Master Volbus, the time has come. I shall prepare the last two souls. Everything is going according to plan, Sadosian. The witnesses have been summoned. The arena will be ready. Proof has been gathered and the bear demon has been warned. 
This will be no ordinary battle. Little does that demon Ursa know that my strength increases by the month. Tonight, there will be a settling of this matter, and Ursa will know the terrible wrath of the wise and powerful fox demon. Wise and powerful, yes. Perhaps you would like to consider some words of wisdom from another powerful entity. Uncontrolled hysteria. <laughs> to prey upon the innocence of children. This is the story you've heard about, talked about. The spine tingling, blood chilling story that stuns your emotions. Frankenstein. Don't touch that! Turn to Spooky South Coast Theater. Toby, it is your night. Will you and Clara be ready? Have you thought of everything? Enjoy our meal, my friend. Remember to enjoy. Your parents talked to you too, Clara? What'd they say? Mine told me all about how happy they were to give themselves over to something bigger. They even said they had the same fears I did when they were 16. They called it possession. I got pretty much the same speech. They said it was helpful to think of the fox in the window as a symbol of a great wise creature created by the lives of all the people in town. It sounds so poetic and mystical, Toby, but to me it just sounds like there's some big demon stealing our souls for whatever horrid purpose it has in mind. I know. That's all I can think of. For what? Are we yielding our mortal souls? So this demon can wage some incredible battle with gods? Here I am all worried that my life will be worth something and this funny fantasy I've cooked up, I guess it will be. I'll be a foot soldier in a heavenly battle, maybe determining the future of mankind in a spiritual battle. Yeah, right. Whatever it is that's going on, I don't like it. And you and I have got to figure a way out. Have you talked to Jesse? Yes. And? It isn't very good, I don't think. First of all, I couldn't even talk to her for almost the whole month. I just saw her for the first time yesterday, and as you can probably guess, she's not herself anymore. Weird. 
I still haven't gotten to see Eddie yet. And here it is our night. But he's over there eating. I'm sure I can talk to him before the ceremony. How was Jesse? Oh, Toby, it made me cry. When I asked about the ceremony and our plan to skip the drink, she just said the plan was so unnecessary, and I'd understand after I went through it. She was like everybody else. Like my parents. I'm getting more and more scared. Are you sure she wasn't just faking it to fool the others? If she was, she fooled me, too. It seemed like her soul really was gone. She didn't laugh the same. She didn't care about anything we used to talk about. But it wasn't like she was some kook trying to convert me, either. She just was calm and said the ceremony was nothing to worry about. She must have drank the potion. What is it that makes it so hard to resist? Oh, here comes Eddie. I've got to see what he went through, what happened in there. Is he all right? Hi, Clara. Toby. How are you enjoying the dinner? I sure do love chicken. You know I don't like these things, Eddie. You didn't either before you went through the ceremony. What happened? Did you skip the drink? Skip it? You know, Toby, after I saw the hard work they all did to hold such a fancy ceremony, and all just for me, well, taking the drink wasn't any worry at all. It wasn't the drink that gave me such a sense of peace and wisdom. It wasn't? Then what was it? I don't know. Just the atmosphere in the sanctuary, I guess. I don't even remember being worried anymore. It seems like it was so unnecessary to worry. But Eddie, what happened to the plan to skip the drink? How did they make you drink it? They didn't have to make me drink it. I was very happy to. I wanted to. I feel so much better now that I did too. When I went in, I remember how good I felt when I saw the room bathed in red. It immediately calmed me. Then I remember the things my parents told me about giving myself to the ceremony, and the elder was so helpful. He pointed out how my worries and fears were selfish, and that I could help this town and the community by being selfless. Eddie, you're kidding me, aren't you? Please tell me you're doing this to fool them. What about your plans to leave the town, to come back and help the others, to break this spell? If you couldn't resist, how can I? Clara, what do we do? Stop it, Toby. You're not thinking straight. Toby, Clara, trust me. Don't worry. You're afraid of something, but you don't have to be. I think what you're afraid of is simply growing up and accepting responsibility. Maturing. You know, I went through the ceremony with Jessie, and of course I always liked her for a friend, but when we went through the ceremony together, I don't know, it's like something happened between us. We're so close to each other now, and, well, I'd like you to wait here for a second. I want to go get her. I'll be right back. Excuse me. What's he talking about? Clara, what's happening? I can't think straight. It's happening too fast here. What should we do? Toby, I'm really afraid. Not only did they give in, but now they're making it sound like... Here, here come Jesse and Eddie. Friends, we have something to tell you. Jesse? We're getting married. What? what? Yep. And we're so happy about it. And you should be too. Look at it. You two are going through the same ceremony tonight that we went through last month. All our parents did. It's like it's made to be. Think of the tradition of it all. When the ceremony was over for us, it just seemed like the natural thing to do. All the talk about community and tradition seemed to make sense, and our commitment to one another seemed so right. After all, we'd just gone through this important ritual together. We'd shared something so special and mystical. Why wouldn't we want to make it the start of our lives together? 
It'll be your turn tonight. Don't be afraid to step into a new life. Look around you in this town. People aren't afraid. There are no worries, no fights, no troubles at all. It's like heaven on earth, really. Truly heaven on earth. Well, you'd better get ready. You know it's almost time, but really, don't worry. You'll see. Yes, listen to her. You'll see. Your eyes will be open to the wonders of a new life. We'll soon be sharing all this wonderment together. I can't wait. See you soon. We'll be with you just as soon as you're done. Look for us. Okay. See you later. Bye. Toby, what are we going to do? They didn't try to change us. They just tried to calm us down. What's going on? I like you fine, but I'm not ready for marriage. I'm like 16. You don't have to convince me. What got into them? Married. I know it's what our parents did, but there's no way. I'm starting to worry that... I, I don't want to say it, Clara. I don't want you to be scared. What? I'm worried that it's inevitable. Is this whole thing inevitable? Are we destined for this? Heaven on earth. Come on, look at this town. He's right when he says it's peaceful here, but the world is bigger than this. What about change, growth, conflict? The world outside this town has its share of turmoil, and things seem to run okay. We can't pretend that the outside world doesn't touch us. Our peaceful little community isn't influenced by the outside. It has to be. What is it that keeps this place so quiet, so perfect? If we pretend that we're secluded from the world, won't we just get blindsided? It's not realistic. We've got to resist. We've got to fight. I won't drink that poison. I'll do everything I can to prevent you from drinking it, too. They won't get our souls. Oh, Toby, hold me. I'm so scared. We can do it, Clara. We can do it. There's the bell. It's time for us to go. Remember, we can do it. We won't be beat. Listen to the bell, Toby, and we'll listen to this. Waiter! Waiter! Bill, did you ever see this poor servant? I'm going to call a manager. Take it easy, Walt. What's mostly wrong is your grouch. I'm sorry, Bill, but my digestion is so upset. What you may need for your poor digestion is something that works after nature's own orders. Try Carter's Little Liver Pill. Good advice. When your digestion is upset and you feel headachy and irritable, take Carter's Little Liver Pill. You see, each day, nature normally produces about two pints of a vital digestive juice to help digest your food. If nature fails, your food may remain undigested, leaving you headachy and irritable. To feel cheerful and happy again, take Carter's Little Liver Pill. They increase the flow of this vital digestive juice quickly often in as little as 30 minutes, and you're on the road to feeling better. Don't depend on artificial aids to counteract indigestion when Carter's Little Liver Pills aid digestion after nature's own order. Take Carter's Little Liver Pills as directed. Get them at any drugstore, only 25 cents. A, B, C. Always buy Chesterfield, the milder cigarette. And Chesterfield leaves a clean, fresh taste in your mouth. Always milder. Better tasting. Color smoking. Always by Chesterfield. They satisfy. Chesterfield. 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 Ches
unpleasant about them. They don't run out of your nose and make you messy. They don't run down the back of your throat and make you sickish. What's more, they don't burn or sting the inside of your nose. They quickly check a head cold and yet do it in a nice way. These nose drops are something brand new and a big improvement on old-fashioned oil drops. Mother is interested in getting results when you have a cold in the head, and she'll get results much faster with Grove's emulsified nose drops. In every section of the country, Groves Emulsified Nose Drops are selling at an amazing rate. That's because they are better in every way. Tell Mother to procure a bottle at the corner drugstore. Groves Emulsified Nose Drops will surprise you with the way they look and act. These nose drops are white and creamy. They don't look, taste, or smell like medicine, yet they are highly effective. That's because they are medically superior, because they stay up in the nose. Any child can understand that nose drops that stay up in the nose will do more good than nose drops that run right out. Impress this fact upon Mother, and she will undoubtedly let you try these new type nose drops when you have a head cold or stuffed head. All drugstores sell Grove's emulsified nose drops, and they're really more economical than the old-fashioned kind because you get more for your money and because you can use less. Ask Mother to get a bottle today. We now return to Spooky South Coast Theater. We won't be beaten. We won't let our friends be lost. Oh, Eddie, we're going to help you. We'll bring you back once we get you to stop drinking that poison. Just four weeks ago. Yes, Toby, four weeks ago. But now the bell is tolling and the time for reminiscence is done. Toby, are you ready? Clara, Tobias, are you ready? I don't know, Elder Sedosio. I'm afraid. Of course you are, my dear. It's only natural that you would be. I asked Edward and Jessica to speak with you, hoping he would see their calm, their happiness, their wisdom. We saw it all, but we've heard the arguments, the rationale, the call to sacrifice and community. Can't we do as much for our community as individuals? Why do we all have to follow this mold? Why can't we be ourselves? Tobias, we are all ourselves. The difference between what you seek and what you have, however, is the advantage of wisdom and years. Your ideas of helping the community at large come from your youthful heart and undisciplined mind. In our community of like-minded people, we have the benefit of age and experience. Certainly, you've heard successful people speak of standing on the shoulders of giants, of having the gift 
of all that has gone before in order to allow them to go further. Tobias, there are great and powerful shoulders here for you to stand on. Take advantage of this gift and take your place in the life of this town. Give up your plan of skipping the drink. Yield to the ceremony and find happiness. What do you mean? How do you know about the plan? Don't be alarmed. You weren't betrayed. You wear your doubts as well as you wear that robe, Tobias. Everyone who wrestles with doubt has one plan or another to thwart the inevitable. But can't you feel yourself becoming more calm already? And haven't you already had the drink yet, have you not? Nevertheless, you're becoming calm. Yes, but why? What's happening to me? Tobias, it's not the drink at all. It's merely a symbol of your acceptance. Edward wasn't tricked, neither any of your parents. They all merely, quietly, literally, came to see the light. It is the room bathed in red that calms you. The full moon shines through the stained glass fox eyes. You can't help but be calmed. It's ironic, Tobias. But your parents probably could have postponed the ceremony a month if they had succeeded in obscuring the fox's eyes with paint that summer night twenty years ago, the night I went through the ceremony. But it didn't work, and it wouldn't work, because the light is the source of the calm, the peace, and the wisdom, which will all soon be yours. But why, Elder? Why is it necessary for us to be under this spell? Can't we do good for one another, according to our own minds? Tobias, don't think that your mind is your own in this world. Think of how you're influenced at every turn. Medium, peers, you haven't had your own mind since you were in diapers. When you are of one mind with us, though, you will find purpose. Once you see the light, Go ahead, look around this sanctuary. Look how beautiful the light falls on Clara's face. Look at the calm that has begun to unfold her. See the peace on her face? She's looking into the light. See the light reflecting in the tears of joy? She has begun to feel the peace of strength, of wisdom. Wisdom from something bigger than herself. You're right. It is beautiful. She's looking straight into the light coming from the eyes. I can almost see a thickness to the light. Yes, Tobias. Follow the path right up to the eyes. Feel it. Hold it. Immerse yourself in it. I do feel it. It's holding me up. I see the eyes are almost alive. They are alive. They draw me closer, and I can feel myself getting lighter, flying toward them. The eyes are growing, and now they're huge. Wait, it's my body that's feeling light. It's being left behind in the pew. I'm leaving my body. This isn't what you said. It's my body that's calm. It's my body that's peaceful. But I can't stop looking at the eyes. I'm getting smaller, and the eyes are growing. 
They're surrounding me, pulling me through them. Uh, I've moved through the eyes. I'm outside the building now. Wait, look back there through the window. It's me and Clara and the elder. What's happened to me? Is this my soul? No, where am I going? Master Velpus, they're all yours now. At last. Then let us get to the gathering for the end of this Sedosian. Who said that? The court finds for Fox, Demon, Vulpus. Court is now adjourned. Well, Counselor, you've done another fine job representing me in this Demon Court. I'm more than happy to give you your payment. It is well deserved. There you are. Sixteen human souls. It was my pleasure. This seems to be somewhat of a regular occurrence, does it, Vulpus? This is the third encroachment upon your territory by that bear demon in just forty years. I wonder if he's spending his time thinking how to take away your property or if he's just an undisciplined demon. Well, it's no matter now, Cygnus. The court has found in our favor, and I feel vindicated for all my hard work and preparation for this trial. You're truly wise, Vulpus. I hope that the town remains peaceful for you now. It must be very gratifying to see your property operate so smoothly and with such efficiency. I wonder what you hope to accomplish with this current peaceful state of affairs. <laughs> Sickness, nothing special. I just hope to have a little quietude for a few decades. The soulless, malleable populace should be content. And what do you hope to do with the sixteen new souls now in your possession? As you say, Volpus, nothing special. I'll just hold on to them till I see something that catches my eye. Perhaps a bauble or a trifle. After all, I have so many more than I re need right now. But it's always invigorating to add to my collection. Well, good. At least they have some value in the long run. Yes, better than nothing. Well, well, well. So our hero Toby will find his life was of some use in this world after all. And in the demon world as well, yes. He worried that his life would be a waste, but he's already helped an old fox demon win a zoning dispute. And to old Vulpus, that was very important. Who knows, someday he may become payment for some precious purchase of old Cygnus. Then he'll become the possession of another demon. And you don't need a lawyer to know that possession is nine-tenths of the law. <laughs> when you suffer from irregularity and take mineral oil for relief, chances are that you get only halfway relief. You see, irregularity is frequently accompanied by acid indigestion, and when this is the case, you need a preparation that combines laxative action with antacid action to bring you thorough relief. Now, plain mineral oil can't do this, but a remarkable preparation called Haley's M.O. combines the correct proportions of pure mineral oil with the finest milk of magnesia. As a result, Haley's M.O. gives you thorough relief. Not only relieves irregularity, but acid upset as well. 
And Haley's M.O. is so gentle that it's frequently recommended for patients following delicate abdominal operations. When you see how much more Haley's M.O. does for you, you'll be amazed that it costs only about the same as high-grade mineral oil. You can identify Haley's M-O on the package. Ipana presents... This has been a production of Spooky South Coast Theater, brought to you by Dr. Hackalot's Consumption Cream. When you've got the consumption, just rub on some Dr. Hackalot's Consumption Cream. It'll go away, along with your lungs. We'd like to introduce the cast of tonight's presentation. First, playing the part of Toby, is Jim DiArruda, one of the writers of Possession of the Church. Playing Clara, Rebecca Coleman, another one of the writers. And playing Eddie, Paul Treneth, the other writer. The part of Jesse was played by Elizabeth Russell. Toby's mom and dad, played by Keith Johnson and Leanne Wilbur. Head Demon, played by Andrew Lake. And the part of the elder, played by Matt Moniz, who also played the demon lawyer. The demon bailiff was the lovely dulcet tones of Matt Costa. And me, I'm your narrator, Tim Weisberg. We thank you all for joining us. For this live presentation of Possession of the Church here on Spooky South Coast Theater, and we invite you all to come back for the final hour of tonight's program, if you dare. <laughs>